one day a, a man and his five-year-old daughter went for a walk in the woods. And he said to his daughter, now Lisa, there are harmful trees in the woods. There are poisonous trees in the woods. There are probably some prickles and thorns and some, probably some dangerous animals in the woods. You need to stay on the path. And Lisa said, okay, Daddy, I will. So they started their walk, but within a, within a minute or two, Lisa was off to the right side of the path. They stopped. Dad said again, Lisa, you need to stay on the path. She replied, I understand, Daddy. But again, it only took a minute before Lisa wandered off. Now, Lisa, I told you to stay on the path. A dad said again to his daughter, this time with a little bit more sternness. And Lisa said, I will, but daddy, what's a path? You know, we all like to say with what we believe to be absolute certainty, I want to walk with God. But we end up doing quite the contrary. Until like, Little Lisa and her dad on their walk. Our walk with God comes under scrutiny, and we find ourselves asking, what is a walk with God? On the other hand, how often, like many people, do Christians resort to, especially at this time of the year, ambitious New Year resolutions? man-made rules and regulations and, and all kinds of requirements that do nothing more than make our faith complicated. And as a result, we end up frustrated and burned out from trying so hard to please God instead of just concentrating on his real requirements for walking with him. In just two short verses... Moses summarizes with simplicity God's answer to the, question, to the Christian's most frequently thought of or asked question. What does God expect of me? What does God want me to do? Lord, what do you want from me? Moses pointed out five essentials or basics that God requires of every blood-bought child of God. One, respect God. Two, follow God by living to please him. Three, love God. Four, serve God with totality of heart and soul. And five, obey God's commands. What is so interesting is when we respect, follow, love, serve, and obey God, we will discover with much delight that to walk in God's ways is the only righteous walk, the only secure walk, and the only elevating walk we can have. 
After all, it's what God actually wants from us. According to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. So let's read what God said through Moses back then uh, to the children of Israel and by extension to us today. And see what it really takes to walk skillfully in this world that God has placed us in. Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. The first thing we notice is that there is no indication here that God is giving options or making suggestions here. Simply because of that word require. Require. In Hebrew, while the implication is request, by extension it is to demand. And so God is not making a suggestion here. Or God says, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you do this? God is making a request to us that we can't afford to reject or deny. He is making a demand which, if we reject, would be disobedience. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for walk is halak, and it means to behave. Like some folks would say, behave yourself. It speaks about how we deport ourselves or how we conduct ourselves. In the New Testament, the Greek word for walk is paripateo. And it means to live or deport oneself. Again, the whole idea is how we behave, how we conduct ourselves. And we all know that doing something skillfully means that we do it well. In the Department of Labor here in the Bahamas, they have what is called a skills bank. And you know what that's for? It's for people to go and report what skills they have so that when jobs come up, they can fit people to those jobs based on the skills that they have. And so to do something skillfully means doing it well. You don't want to hire someone to do a job that they're, not, that they're not skilled to do. And so doing something skillfully means doing it well. It means doing it capably. It means doing it competently. And in some cases, it means doing it expertly. And so we can see that walking, how, how to walk applicably means that we walk skillfully because it means to behave or live capably or competently. And should Christians want to live any other way? Is there any other way that Christians ought to be living other than competently and capably, skillfully? According to our text, to walk in all his ways, God requires... That is, he requests, he demands us to live our lives after the pattern that he has set for us. To walk on the road that he has set for us. The road that he has made, not on our own, as our own sinful and Adamic natures would really demand of us to walk. God wants us to walk according to the pattern that he has set for us. And we see this pattern throughout the scriptures, both in the Old and the New Testament. God has given us a pattern.
pattern on how we are to live our lives for him so that we can truly walk skillfully in this life. You know, throughout the scriptures, we have that word walk, walk, walk. God says walk here and walk this and walk, walk, walk. We see that word throughout the scriptures. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 33, we read, Stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land you are about to enter and occupy. That's the New Living Translation version. Now notice, God does not say visit the path occasionally or whenever you feel like it or whenever it's convenient for you. What does he say? He said stay on the path. Remember little Lisa? She kept going off the path. Because she didn't understand what a path was. But we understand what a path is, don't we? He says, stay on the path. Don't visit her occasionally or whenever you feel like it. He says, stay. It means absolutely no detours. Notice that stay on the path is not just an idea or a suggestion, but a command. It's a command to be obedient. Now, some people have problems with obedience. You know, God says, I want you to do this, and we decided, no, 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 I think my way is better. God said, said to Jonah, I want you to go down to, to Nineveh. And I, I don't think so. And so we have an inapt problem with obedience. But one of the things we need to realize is that when God wants us to be obedient, it's for our own good. Not necessarily to please God, but it's for our own good. God wants us to please him. But when God wants us to please him, we find that it's for our own good. But look at all the benefits of this obedience. He says, you will live a long and prosperous lives. Anyone here have a problem with living long? Anyone here have a problem with being prosperous? We all want to live a long and prosperous life, right? Well, God has some, some, some conditions for that. It's called obedience. And that's what he says here. He says, if you stay on the path, you will live a long and prosperous life. Long life and prosperity. Who doesn't want that? Joshua chapter 22, verse 5. Be very careful to obey all the commands and the instructions that Moses gave to you. Love the Lord your God. Walk in all his ways. Obey his commands. Hold firmly to him and serve him with all your heart and your soul. The key phrase here is be very careful to obey. Don't be careless or thoughtless if you're really serious about your intent to walk in all his ways. Now, God doesn't say walk in some of my ways. Notice, he says all my ways. See, when we walk with God, it's not a smorgasbord. It's not an all-you-can-eat. It's not a pick-choose-or-refuse. It's the whole thing. All his ways. Psalm 81, 13. And this one sounds like a parent who is frustrated with a disobedient child. Isn't it? Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me, walking 
in my paths. You know, when I read that, I think of a parent down at the courthouse on Nassau Street, and her child is in trouble again. And she's at the courthouse now for an, uh, uh, on another occasion. Oh, if this boy would just listen to what I tell him to do. Oh, if this child would just listen to me. Remember, God is a father. And we see that fatherhood of God and the frustration with his children being disobedient expressed by the psalmist in Psalm 81. When he says, oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me, walking in my paths. You see, Israel's resistance to obeying God led to, to their punishment over and over again. And you know how God identifies the root of the pro- pro- people's problems? Has not changed. How he identifies that root has never changed since the days of dealing with the children of Israel right up to the time that we are living in today. The root of God's way of dealing, identifying the root of the people's problems has always been the same. Their own stubborn heart. Wanting to have their own way and do their own thing. People today still want to follow their own ways and refuse to listen to God. And as a result, we end up in trouble a whole lot of times. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Titus, New Testament, chapter 2, verse 12. And you are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. So we have this pattern that God has given us throughout the scriptures on how we are to walk in all his ways, to live according to the pattern that he's given us. But how do we walk with the Lord in a practical sense? Thankfully, God has given us a few descriptive words that would give us some guidance. Walking skillfully requires that we, first of all, live lovingly. That is, affectionately. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and love him. And serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes which I am commanding you today for your own good. Notice the word love him. Love him. If we live in a way that pleases him and love him, it cannot and it should not be done in isolation. Loving God requires that we love those whom God loves as well. And sometimes we have a tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We look at individuals whose lives are not living their lives the way they ought to be lived, and we are disgusted at the lifestyles that they live. And we, att- we have a tendency to condemn the, the person along with the lifestyle that they're living. God says we ought to love the sinner. We can hate their sins as much as we want. We can hate it with the the passion that God hates it, but we must love the sinner. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you 
and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Now in these verses, the Apostle Paul tells us not only that Jesus loved, but he also tells us how Jesus loved. To love like Jesus, we need to imitate his example. And that means we need to give. We need to give. To live lovingly is to make, to make it a way of life. To imitate God in everything we do. Why? Simply because we're his children. That's the way we're supposed to behave. Because we belong to God. Since Christ's sacrificial example was such a pleasing aroma to God, we have a pattern set for living a life that is filled with love. We've got the pattern. We can either follow that pattern or we can ignore that pattern. You know, I can tell my, my wife that I love her, but unless I'm willing to, to, to give up myself and my possessions and everything that I have, that's when I really show her that I love her. Boy, and she would remind me of that too. <laughs> but you've got to show it. Love doesn't just happen. Until giving happens. I can talk about love until I'm blue in the face. But if I'm not going to show it in my community, the neighborhood that I live in, in the workplace, on the job, where I rub shoulders with people every day, the people I meet, in the casual encounters on the streets and in the grocery store and on the lines and the places where you go to pay your, your bills or whatever. My talk has no value. In other words, it's just good for nothing. That's what our talk amounts to if we are not demonstrating that love and fleshing it out in our lives. There's an old saying that I heard while I was growing up. Never understood what it meant, but I heard it a lot. Talk is cheap, money by land. How many of you heard that? We've all heard that. I heard that when I was growing up as a boy. I heard it a lot. I never understood what it meant, but it sounded like it makes sense to me. As members of the family of God, it is our duty. It is our obligation to put on the family likeness by walking as obedient children in full submission to that person who empowers us by God, God the Holy Spirit. Why? Because only when we are lovingly flexible, and you see, in this world that we are living in, things are going to get worse and worse. They're going to talk even more worse about Christians. You're going to be treated terribly. It's going to get worse. And it requires us to be lovingly flexible. Because only when we are lovingly flexible in God's hands can we be victorious in our walk. Instead of living as losers throughout our lives. Only when we are lovingly flexible in God's hands can we be sincere in our worship. Instead of faking it by going through the motions every time we show up to church on a Sunday morning. Only when we are lovingly flexible in God's hands can we be successful in our work. 
rather rather than having to cope with one miserable failure after another. God requires us to be lovingly flexible in our lives. Let your ordinary life be spent in an atmosphere or in an environment of love. That's what he's talking about here. Drinking in from heaven like plants drinking the sunshine. I had a plant one time, and I loved that plant so much that I kept it inside, and guess what? It died. You know why? Didn't get any sun. And I wondered, this plant is in nice, nice shade all the time. Plant said, I don't, I don't want that. I need some sunshine. And so we need to drink it in from heaven like plants drinking sunshine. Radiate it forth from our eyes and our face. Let people look at you and they can say of you, boy, I could tell you belong to Jesus. Let hands and feet be active and effective in, our, in godly service. Well, you know, we got a lot of service that people need to be filling in this church. Just this morning, Sister Beth was challenging our Sunday school class to get involved in Awana. That's one area. Let hands and feet be active and effective in godly service. Let looks and words and acts be soaked or marinated in love. Whenever I have to cook, well, my wife does the cooking. But my job in terms of cooking is to season the food. That's my job. And so she takes out whatever has to be cooked, and she would put it there on the table or on the counter or on the sink. And I know what that means. But when we do fish, I normally season the fish up, right? And I, and I soak it in, in lemon juice so it, it, it marinates overnight. And that's what God wants for our love to be. He wants us to, 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 to be marinated. Soaked in love. And when you fry that fish the next, oh boy, that's so good. And that's what God wants from us. He wants our looks, our words, and our acts to be soaked and marinated in love. So you see, walking skillfully requires that we live lovingly or affectionately. But then walking skillfully also requires, secondly, that we live blamelessly or faultlessly. Again, Deuteronomy 10, 12, 13. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways. And you can underline walk in all his ways and put a double underline, double line under all. And love him. And to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today, For your good. Notice the phrase, verse 13. To keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your own good. In Psalm 119 and verse 1, the psalmist says, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. In order to walk blamelessly, obeying God's word must not be an, op- must not be an option. It must be a necessity. And in order to do that, 
You need to know what God's word says. It's essential for us to read our Bibles. And this is something Sister Brenda is always saying in our Sunday school class. How she so much loves to read God's word. And she's always challenging class members. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to read what God says. She sounds like a Scotch record, but it sounds good. It's what it's supposed to be. We are to read God's word. Until we do, we can't even begin to understand what it means to walk with God. Not peruse it. Read it. And let it speak to you. We must understand that walking blamelessly does not mean walking perfectly. What it does mean is that we keep no secrets when we sin, but deal with it directly by confessing it and turning from it. It means that we keep short accounts. As soon as we realize that we have messed up, say, oh, Lord, I've messed up again. Please forgive me. Short accounts with God and with others. It means that we, we keep going forward. We don't stand still or we, keep, we don't be, be living in the past. We keep going forward, keeping short accounts with God. According to Psalm uh, 119 and verse 1, the blessed man is happy. The blessed man is happy whose life is conformed to the word of the Lord. Even if these sins and falls, there is provision in the word of God for confession and restoration. If we confess our sins, the Bible says, he is faithful and he is just. He's not going to say, man, you again? I guess you just been here yesterday. No, it says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of some of our righteousness. Is that what it says? All of them. Every single one. All of them. We keep short accounts. And so this man that the Psalm 119 talks about has provision, confession, and restoration. And this keeps him in an undefiled condition before his God. And then verse 2 of Psalm 119 it is obedience to his testimonies that counts. Obedience to the testimonies of God's word. Not a, a reluctant, don't really want to do it. Or a, a half-hearted, heart really not into it. Or, or, or feet-dragging obedience in no hurry to do it. You know, whenever you ask a child to do something, they don't want to do it. You can tell by their actions, right? They're reluctant. You could tell. You could really tell that they don't want to do it by their actions, their body motions. Uh, you could tell it's half-hearted because their heart's not really into it. And then they, they, they go slow and they feed dragon disobedience. They don't want to do it. God doesn't want a reluctant, half-hearted, feed dragon obedience. What he wants is a deep, enormous desire to please him with the whole heart. That's what he wants. So you see, walking skillfully requires that we live blamelessly or faultlessly. If we don't, the unsaved is going to remind you. Walking skillfully requires that we, thirdly, live circumspectly or cautiously. Again, 
Deuteronomy 10. Now, Israel, what does the Lord regard, require from you? But to fear the Lord your God. Fear the Lord your God. To walk in all his ways. To love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes which I am commanding you today for your own good. Cautiously is to fear the Lord. When you're driving your car down the street and the light is on red and it quickly turns to yellow, you're wondering if any police is around so you can run through that light. You're cautious. You're cautious. And that's what God means when he talks about circumspectly. In Ephesians chapter 5, and verse 15 and 16, we read, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, we know the days are evil, right? We know that. You can't turn anywhere without seeing that. Circumspectly isn't a word we use very often today. So let me, let me give you a good example of what it means. How many of you have cats at home? Anybody have cats? You take a handful of marbles, and you throw those marbles on the floor, and you put that cat down in the middle of it. That cat will walk through on that floor on all fours and not touch a single one of those marbles. Not one. That's what it means to walk circumspectly. The NASB version says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Now notice, there's an implication here. If you do not walk carefully, you're walking as a fool. I don't know. Nobody likes to be called a fool, right? Nobody likes to be called unwise. Well, that's what the verse says. If you're not walking carefully, if you're not walking circumspectly, there's only one other way to walk. Can't get around it. See, in our lives, Satan plants landmines, tries to destroy us by enticing us into destructive sin, sin that will ruin our lives and our testimonies and, and make it possible for no one want to even hear anything out of our mouth regarding God. That's what Satan does. But God has given us a very reliable roadmap that warns us of the dangers that Satan puts in our path. That roadmap is called the Bible. Now you see why it's so important to read it? If we spend consistent time in God's word, we can learn how to walk circumspectly. Through life, avoiding all of the landmines that Satan tries to use to destroy us. We can walk in such a way that we make it through that minefield without touching a single mine. That's what it means to walk circumspectly, to walk cautiously. So walking with God means that we become wise in the ways of the evil one. Wouldn't you like to have an edge on the enemy? That's what espionage and spying and all that stuff is all about. The enemy wants to know what you're doing so that they can plan against you and circumvent what you're doing. Well, God has given us the Bible, his word, so that we can circumvent 
Satan in his efforts to entrap us. We need to use it. We can educate ourselves on where and where not to walk when we read God's word. Now, by, by referring to these days as evil, Paul is communicating a sense of urgency here. He wants us to be serious about how important it is to deal with it now rather than putting it off because evil's progressive or persistent nature is getting worse. He's upping his game because the days are evil. He knows that his time is running out. We need the same sense of urgency today because our days are also as difficult as when Paul penned these words to the believers in his day. What does it mean for us to to walk with God? Basically, three things. We must keep our standards high. There is a strong tendency and leaning in the world today for us to compromise our walk with God. Hey, that's okay. So-and-so did it. You can do that. It's all right. You can get away with that. We keep our standards high. We act wisely. That's what reading the Bible is all about. That's where we find the wisdom to run our lives and to order our lives wisely. And then we do good whenever we can so that no one can speak evil or ill of you. Three things. Walking skillfully requires that we live circumspectly or cautiously in this world. And then walking, circums- walking skillfully requires that we live forth, and finally, that we live purposefully. Purposefully or persistently. Again, now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But you fear the Lord your God and walk in all his ways and love him. And to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes which I am commanding you today for your own good. Notice the first phrase. Serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Purposefully. Persistently. In Philippians chapter 3 verses 10 to 12 we read Paul's great desire. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained, or I mean, or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. You see, Paul knew exactly what his purpose was. He be, he, his purpose was to become just like Jesus. He says, I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect. But I keep pressing on. I keep pressing on. I know where I'm headed. Paul was a man that walked purposefully. He had a purpose. He was a man who had a purpose. How about you? How about you? Do you have the kind of purpose that Paul had? Like Paul, do you know where you are headed? 
Have you ever watched pigeons? When you have a chance, watch some pigeons. How they react. Pigeons, as they walk, it swings its body back and forth and back and forth. Between each step, it stops. You don't see pigeons running. If they run, they'll fall over. Pigeons aren't able to focus on what's in front of them for very long. They need to take a step, stop, and focus. Then take another step, stop, and focus again. Next time you see some pigeons, watch them. You see, we can learn something from the stop-and-go habits of pigeons. Between every step we take in our walk with God, we need to stop and refocus on our goal of becoming like Jesus. You know why? Because there are so many distractions in our world today to take our focus off Jesus. And some of them are quite legitimate. Our jobs, our hobbies, our friendships, our possessions, our children, our home, our house. All of these things can easily pull us in many different directions. But our focus should always stay on Jesus. If we want to be like him, if that's our purpose, then our eyes need to be focused continually on him. Take your eyes off him, and you're going to be like those pigeons and fall over. And of course, spending time in God's word is the very thing that will keep us focused on our goal. Because it's all about Jesus, not about us. So to walk purposely means that in all that we do, we press ahead toward our goal of becoming like Jesus. Walking skillfully requires that we live purposefully or persistently in this world that God has placed us in. Let's look at that verse again. Deuteronomy chapter 12, this time in the New Living Translation. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Question is, are you walking skillfully? Have you made a decision to walk in all his ways? Not some of them, but all of them in a practical way? Again, as we close, walking skillfully requires four things. That we live lovingly or affectionately. That we live blamelessly or faultlessly. That we live circumspectly or cautiously. That we live purposefully or persistently. How and when do we respond? We live in a way that pleases him. 
That's how. When? Today. For what for? For your own good. May the Lord bless, challenge, and encourage our hearts as we endeavor to do just that. Pray with me, please. Father, again, you have given us just a snippet of what you would have us to do in order that we may enjoy the life that you have given us in all of its abundance as you promised. It's not difficult for us to obey. It's a matter of hard choice. We pray, O oh Lord, that we may endeavor to desire to please you, to honor you, to live for you in a way that would give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. For we ask this in Christ's name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.